0: Shin. Standing by. Wrong, 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 wrong. Complete.
1: Greetings, heroes of the internet. I'm Travis and I'm Nathan and we are the Henshin Men a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high-flying and high-kicking
0: adventures. In this installment, we will be discussing Kamen Rider, episodes 7 and 8. Grim Reaper Chameleon, Duel Site of World Expo. Shinigami Chameleon Kato, Paku Ato. Continuing his battle against Grim Reaper Chameleon, Takeshi Hongo attempts to rescue Tatsuo Sonata and uncover the truth behind the Nazi treasure before Shocker can get their hands on it.
1: So, Nathan, Nazis. Nazis.
0: Yahtzees. Yahtzee!
1: <laughs> yeah nazi oh no uh, so uh, oh, gosh. i peek behind the curtain for the listeners uh it's been a while since we recorded because we recorded the first uh few episodes in a big batch and then we waited a little while and now we're recording again so we've been sitting on this cliffhanger for a while
0: and it's been killing me <laughs> <laughs> so
1: uh so so what'd you think of the resolution <laughs>
0: uh, actually it was everything that i expected <laughs> basically but i let me tell you i had to resist the urge at least a few times not to jump ahead too early <laughs> with this uh, so this episode was wild oh yeah <laughs> Oh yeah. I mean this we, we,
1: we ended the last episode with Nazi treasure box and and like an invisible <laughs> villain.
0: So like how do you where do you go from there? Oh, just wait. <laughs> yeah. The first thing that I do want to mention here, because this is very noteworthy in ter- in terms of cultural stuff. And also because I just talked about this actually on a recent episode of the Monster Island Film Ball. And that is this episode in part was filmed at Expo 70, which was this big World's Fair that was held in Japan in 1970. And obviously the show premiered in 1971. So the second half of this episode, when Hongo is fighting Chameleon Man and all of those shocker goons, that wasn't a theme park or anything. That was a world expo. And that was a huge deal at the time in Japan. It's also noteworthy because part of Gamera versus Jiger was filmed there as well. And if you want to learn more about expo 70, check out my monster Island film vault episode on it. But let me tell you, it's became a huge cultural touchstone for Japan because you started seeing it referenced everywhere.
1: Yeah. So I like the, the having that, uh, kind of cultural touchstone here kind of, you know, even brings in a little bit of gamma history into this.
0: Mm-hmm. But th- that was an, a nice setting there for, it wasn't the entire climactic battle, so to speak, but th- it was still where most of it took place. I found it astonishing. Uh, we're starting to see the extent of Hongo's powers in this because even when he isn't transformed into common writer, he's still capable of some pretty incredible feats, like jumping off the top of a roller coaster and not dying.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the whole roller coaster scene is is really probably my favorite part of this whole episode. I thoroughly enjoyed the whole the fights, the choreography, the stunts, everything on this roller coaster. Because like yes they yes it is stunt work they're not actually fighting but still just being on the tracks of a roller coaster and trying to do stunt work and film scenes fight scenes that's tough
0: that's gotta be tough oh yeah very much so but and we also saw some other interesting little things kind of we're getting a little bit more of the rules we're being shown more of the rules about how Hongo works as Kamen Rider. I noticed in this one, and the narrator actually makes this very plain to you, and Hongo's eyes start to blink because we find out that his transformation actually has, he's a little bit like Ultraman, (laughs) his transformation can only last for so long. Right. And his eyes start blinking. It's almost like a, like a color timer yeah. for Ultraman.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I, I like that they added the the limiter there. And I don't think it's a time limit. I think it's a, well, it's a time limit in the sense of if he doesn't recharge. And the problem is yeah. that the way to recharge his powers is with the turbine in his belt. Well, he mm-hmm. was trapped in this, in this thing, in this hole where he couldn't get the turbine to spin to charge his powers up. So he ended up losing his powers uh so mm-hmm. so yeah so i think he can stay as common writer longer if he could just keep the turbine you know mm-hmm. spinning but i do mm-hmm. really like that scene yes it is kind of cliche trapping the good guy in a place and then you know slowly trying to kill him instead of just outright killing him um
0: <laughs> but oh yeah because uh, cause, uh the feelings coming down to crush him and he's trying to hold it up in true superhero fashion i mean heck is there's a famous piece of early Spider-Man art from the 60s where he's basically doing that. Right. <laughs> so it's very indicative of that. Again, continuing what seems to be a very Marvel Comics sort of influence on this show.
1: Very much so. One thing I do like about this is Takeshi, we see kind of for the first time, Takeshi uses his brains, his smarts, mm-hmm. not just his powers, to escape. Like he actually... It uses his intelligence because his powers are failing so he needs to rely on his his smarts and i thought that was really cool because you know it's so easy especially for the time period to just have the hero escape from traps the same way every team every single episode but one Mm -hmm. thing i do enjoy even in this early series is that Yes, the hero always escapes, but he always comes has to come up with a unique way of escaping. It's not the same way every single time. And so that was really cool. So so even though this is an, a dated show by today's standards, I think that it's still unique in that they take the writing, they take it very serious uh, in this show.
0: Oh, for sure. And I I did appreciate that quite a bit.
1: Now, I want to talk about probably a a scene that was probably my favorite thing to happen in this episode, as far as just an individual thing that happened. Um, The evil tongue of death. (laughs) 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 Because we didn't get that in the last episode. (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, when you're a chameleon, (laughs) that's actually a part of there's been other chameleon themed villains and characters and all that in media, but they don't always remember the tongue. That's the chameleons are all are best known for their camouflage, but they're also well known for those tongues because they can fly out. They can extend really far and they can grab insects for them to eat. And they're really fast. Mm hmm they have to slow when they take video of them doing it they have to slow it down so you can actually see the tongue come out grab the insect and pull it back the only other time i can think of where we had a chameleon themed character that played around with that and the camouflage it was actually a Man x because there is a boss in the game named sting chameleon who could turn invisible and he would whip you with his tongue
1: oh nice so I, so I've talked about some of the highlights from, from the episode for me, um, the evil tongue of death, which just was, it's so great. Just in the way it wiggles kind of out of his mouth to begin with before it like launches. It's so funny and so great. I love it. <laughs> it's, it is.
0: uh, some of the highlights for me were some of the stuff we we'll, We'll talk about it a little bit. There's a few points that I have on here that we're we're gonna say for the awards, right? But our MacGuffin. Oh yeah, <laughs> our Nazi our Nazi MacGuffin. And there was some of these details that they throw into this episode, and I'm just thinking, really, <laughs> this is very comic bookified. Like they say that they test a box because Hongo gives Shocker the Nazi treasure box. Right. And they test it by shooting it with a gun, and they say, oh, the bullet went through. This is clearly a fake, because the real box can survive a nuclear blast. To which I say, was this made after the war? How would the Nazis know how to make a right. box that could survive a nuclear blast? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get why it's there for plot convenience, but I'm still just kind of thinking, really?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do like this whole Nazi treasure thing. It makes it feel almost like a Indiana Jones style.
0: It does feel a bit Indiana Jones's, But uh, the idea of recovering Nazi gold or a Nazi treasure is actually a plot that is fairly common, actually, in a lot of stories. You know, there's some, I think there are World War II movies that deal with that. There are some, Ah, uh, some adventure stories that are post World War II that deal with that. So, it's a thing. The Nazis, historically speaking, did hoard a lot of wealth, mm-hmm. and it, you know, and nobody knew where all of it was after the war.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love that the the. But I do
0: love how they say. I do love how they say this is worth trillions, and I wrote in my notes. Trillions in yen, obviously. Right.
1: Yeah, <laughs> trillions in 1971. Hmm. Uh, Yeah. No, they're talking about yen. No. So, so I. It is. It is. And it's a very interesting plot. I like that they put like effort into this plot. It's not just a basic, simple plot. Like there's some some twists and turns mm-hmm. in it. That's really great. I mean, like we had the cliffhanger from last episode to this episode. It was really great. Um. But the little details. And it also
0: shows that Shocker needs money to fund their evil plots. <laughs> yes,
1: they need a lot of Those money. I mean, are,
0: come from nowhere. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, it takes a lot of money to convert people into animal cyborg men.
0: <laughs> yes, it, it takes money. To be uh, an evil, uh, would be world conquering organization. I mean, haven't you seen GI Joe? Half the time, Cobra's plots involve making money. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Money. We're going
1: to talk about that in the next episode of Hinge. Oh yeah, and- yes,
0: yes we will. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> a little preview of the episode. But the I I love the flash the not flashback but the story that we're told by the captured scientist because it reminds me actually a lot of something that i know is very near and dear to your heart travis and that is frankenstein conquers the world yes yes <laughs> the guy tells hongo about how he got the box and how it was shipped by from germany during the war by submarine to japan and then they gave them the box so that they could hold on to it with all of its secrets and stuff like that, and I'm thinking somebody saw Frankenstein conquers the world. Yep.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I was I was kind of expecting them to open the box and there would be a like a heart inside. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But no Baragon, unfortunately. No Baragon.
1: <laughs> no Baragon. But we did get the evil evil tongue of death.
0: Yes, yes, yes. But if I may promote us a little bit, you actually came on the Film Vault, my other podcast, to talk about Frankenstein Conquers the World. So go check that out, listeners.
1: Also check out Kaiju Weekly, where we talk about uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World, a.k.a. Frankenstein versus Baragon, because that was the first episode with my co-host, uh, Michael. Uh, yes, yes so yeah so yeah yeah, we've uh, both of our own podcasts have done episodes on frankenstein conquers the world so yeah and now we're here talking Mm -hmm. about it again uh and it's because of those Mm -hmm. dang nazis
0: (laughs) (laughs) those dang nazis <laughs> because Nazis are very convenient go-to villains, you don't have to explain why they're why they're evil. Yeah. Everyone just knows why. Yeah, everybody just accepts <laughs> it's it. them and vampires. Yeah, yep. So. <laughs> yep. Uh, but uh, but like you were saying, I do enjoy the ending. It's very James Bondian. It was really cool. I like I love the swashbuckling. We got all the swashbuckling action with Kamen Rider at mm-hmm. the end when he's literally sword fighting with all the goons. It was great.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Kamen Rider becomes like a sword fighter for some reason. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I also love the fact that wish this hadn't this had been established, I think, before this, but now there's actually, and hopefully Shocker wises up to this. They may want to stop throwing Hongo. Off a building to his death because we know for sure it's not going to work. <laughs> In fact, right, it's going to be a setback because he you know, he just it, the wind from the fall makes the turbine spin. He becomes common rider before he hits and he's okay. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one way they can't kill him now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah uh but they keep trying they keep trying uh another thing i really liked is the we're getting introduced to some all, um extra gadgets because now uh hongo takeshi has a remote control on his belt that controls the motorcycle
0: oh yes remote control motorcycle yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, that's that's really cool there too i like that and some other quick highlights i'll run through i love the batman 66 climb for chameleon man oh, at one yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> that almost made my uh one of my awards yeah <laughs> i consider that but i was like Batman 66 it's that trick where the camera is sideways so mm-hmm. they can make it look like he's climbing up a building. they did that all the time right in the adam Batman. Yeah, you almost and... expect
1: uh, Sammy Davis Jr. to poke his head out from one of the windows and, <laughs> and start <laughs> talking to him. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. <laughs> I also think it's ironic that the, and we'll get into more detail with the awards, I love the irony of the Nazi treasure being... Buried in a grave marked with a cross. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. We will talk
1: about the grave scene in our awards.
0: <laughs> yes. We'll get to that. And I also concluded actually watching this episode that if I need to start wearing a mask because I'm a I'm an author. I need to start wearing a mask when I write so I can be the common writer. <laughs> 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 oh where's that where's that sad trombone there it is <laughs> i don't care part of the shtick of the show is puns yeah deal with it i'm just
1: sitting here singing <laughs> common writer common writer 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 <laughs> uh,
0: it's great so are you gonna
1: do the pose and do the writer
0: chop uh, 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 writer chop. <laughs> <laughs> writer stroke. I'm not. So so yeah. Do, you think, do you think common writers go around and just add writer to a uh, writer to everything that they do just to drive people nuts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> writer walk. <laughs> Rider walk. Writer <laughs> order McDonald's.
1: Writer <laughs> number two on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man! So, uh, but speaking of writer chop, and I know it's something that we're going to mention more in our in our uh, awards later on in the episode. But I do like that we are getting new moves. It's not always the writer kick. It's all, uh, not always the writer throw. But we're also getting the writer chop.
0: Mhm. Although it's starting to get to the point where I think the filmmakers figured out that their fa- uh, that writer kick needed to be his finishing move.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Sure. <laughs> Definitely.
0: <laughs> Cuz honestly it is probably the the coolest one and as we see later it became the icon because basically every common writer has done it yep. since then.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, What did you think? I know we talked about it in the last episode, but what did you think? uh, Do you think that uh, chameleon man's costume still held up uh, going from last episode to this episode?
0: For the most part, although this time I actually did see the actor's neck (laughs) (laughs) underneath the mask. Didn't quite cover all of his neck, kind of destroying the illusion a little bit and also calling into question, like again, How literal do I take this? Are you just enhanced humans with crazy costumes, or are you literally half chameleon? (laughs)
1: Because I don't know. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Later versions of these characters, you know, (laughs) right? And uh, but watch common right first. They're definitely mutants, (laughs) right?
1: Yeah, I do think though that as far as of all the ones we've seen so far, this one still is the best costume uh that we've gotten uh and uh it's definitely better than what's coming after this um
0: <laughs> that seems like a great way to transition to the next episode transition <laughs> Trans- transition <laughs> Creepy bee woman, Kai Hachi-Ona. Takeshi investigates as people who had glasses made at Kagimura's optometry store, including Ruriko, start to disappear.
1: Now, we we mentioned that... uh, we've definitely seen some kind of low budget costumes for our villains. Uh, and we definitely will see some more low budget costumes for villains, but this one kind of takes the cake.
0: (laughs) Oh, the B woman, because when I hear B as in like, Honeybee, Bumblebee. You know what are the first colors that come to my mind? Yellow for sure, black. Certainly not blue and purple. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is the gaudiest costume in the show so far. And as soon as Bee Woman appeared on screen, I, yep. oh my gosh, it was. So hard for me to take it seriously. Yeah, so just like, and then you, and then there are all of these other very questionable, just design decisions with this costume. Yeah, we got the spiral bra. <laughs> There's fur on the thing. She's got fur on parts of her costume. Yeah, she had a cape too. She like a little cape. Yep.
1: <laughs> she well, had, my
0: favorite part. She had a
1: purple mullet.
0: Yes, a purple mullet. <laughs> The costume was mostly blue. Then, my favorite one because they remembered oh, wait, she's supposed to be a bee. <laughs> I called it the spiral broth Yep, they have, these, they have these bee pattern. I shouldn't be demonstrating like this because it looks terrible. I'm glad this is a video.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, Nathan, stop rubbing your
0: chest. <laughs> No, not that, not that, not that. It's more like fumbling the air there. Um, Anyway. uh, (laughs) He has these B pattern circular markings (laughs) on her chest area. And I'm thinking, really guys? (laughs) Yep. Really? And then the actress is wearing basically a cowl. Yeah, with big old like green eyes, like like visor eyes, Mm -hmm. and then she has blue and purple makeup on the second half of her face, and it doesn't quite go all the way down to the to the collar of her costume, so you can see a little bit of her actual skin in some shots. Just the whole thing, yeah. But they they want her to be terrifying. They tried so hard to make her scary, and all they keep, I keep—I can't get past the gaudiness. This is Sixth Doctor levels of gaudy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For anyone who's seen the Sixth Doctor, and his name is suddenly escaping me. Oh, um, Colin Baker. Colin Baker. Yeah, Colin Baker. Colin Baker. If you've ever, Colin Baker famously described his costume as an explosion at a rainbow factory. Yep. <laughs> This is up there.
1: Yeah, this is definitely the worst costume of that we've seen so far and probably of the whole series.
0: (laughs) We may have to do a top 10 like worst uh villain of the week costumes when we're done with this. Probably. This will be close to the top, if not number one. Probably. (laughs) Although what's really cool is other this is the first female villain of the week that yes. we've had yes. unless you count the fish squad
1: yeah which i mean i yeah i guess you can kind of count them but they didn't really do much as far as like they didn't have a personality this is like the first
0: other than other than creepy
1: right <laughs> right this is the but this is the first uh this is the first female villain that we've had that's uh that actually has a personality and a, and a theme uh to her so mm-hmm. that was cool
0: yeah now, I will admit we did we did a little digging before we recorded. This character actually did come back a couple of times. Yes. She came back in Common Rider Decade. They used the same basic design, but I think they tried to improve it a little bit. Yes. Well, let's come back in
1: this this series.
0: Yeah. Oh, and she, yeah, and she comes back in this series. So. And then oh she comes
1: back later <laughs> in Decade. Uh, and the cost, like you said, the costume is a little bit better it's still pretty pretty gaudy um but uh but it's a little bit better uh and then we've mm-hmm. also had characters that were inspired like like and i mentioned it i think when we did our first episode um where i talked about how uh the trend was set with that first episode that the first two episodes that you get a spider villain and a bat villain in every common writer series almost every common writer mm-hmm. series um mm-hmm. you also get a b themed character in a lot of them. And I won't say everyone, but you will get them in a lot of them. We looked it up. Uh there's definitely uh there's definitely one in Agito common writer Aguito, uh, mm-hmm. which doesn't look anything like this. She looks more bee-like, but you can see the inspiration. She has the white cape, mm-hmm. she has the kind of a cowl with the exposed mouth, um, and she has the mm-hmm. sword. So it is very heavily inspired by this. But then we also mm-hmm. get a character in Common Writer J, the movie, uh, mm-hmm. which is definitely inspired by this because it everything is there the the spiral the spiral boobs uh, the 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 exposed mouth uh, the the um, the color scheme with the purple and blue
0: mm-hmm. and the insect head yeah, yeah yeah but it was but it was filtered. Through 20 more years of improved special effects, a slightly larger budget, well, more than slightly, so a larger budget, and the mad genius mind of Keita Amamiya. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Keita Amamiya also designed everything for Kamen Rider Zeto or Zio, which also had the spider, uh, a spider villain and a bat villain. Uh, so you know, mm-hmm. he basically did the three big ones uh, that you see mm-hmm. in most Common Writer series or a lot of Common Writer series, and he just did them in his mm-hmm. own twisted Amamiya way. And boy, is it awesome looking!
0: <laughs> it, is. it is. But we're not here to talk about J or Zeto, at least not yet. So. Creepy bee woman. What's the? Let's uh, let's talk about the other big part of this episode. Mind control Google glasses.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that make you that make you a really bad dad. Why <laughs> yes. guy just shoved Never his daughter what? out of the way? <laughs>
0: But I was watching this and I'm thinking, oh, mind control through eyeglasses. Good thing I don't wear eyeglasses. And then the episode reminded or it showed me, no, you're not safe either, Marchand, because they can do it with sunglasses, too. Like, oh, uh-huh. I, 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 I wear sunglasses
1: because that's how that's how they got Ruriko.
0: because <laughs> yeah, She speaking, wears sunglasses.
1: Yeah. Speaking of Ruriko, um, one of the things I do like is she kind of takes on a very and, and it's not as. It's not as modern, uh, you know, as you would get nowadays, but it definitely for for the time period was really cool how she took on almost like a Lois Lane type, uh, role where she yes. puts herself was willing to put herself in danger to investigate this stuff. And yes, she does have to be saved by the, by the hero. And so she does become kind of a damsel in distress, but she isn't necessarily just a useless character. She is a go getter. She will get out there and do what has to be done and put and take risks to do it. And I like that about that character.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of criticism of the damsel in distress trope, but with characters like Ruiko in this episode, like, Lowest Lane especially, it's not because they're helpless characters. because they intentionally throw themselves into danger, get in over their heads, and then the heroes have to intervene. You know, it's not like Anne from King Kong gets away. Right. You know, because she can't do anything.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's not that they can't take care of themselves. It's just that they keep digging deeper and deeper until they can't get themselves out. <laughs> so yeah i love that but but talking about ruriko in this episode she's like the slow realization that takeshi has that oh it must be the glasses and so then he's like slowly Mm -hmm. telling ruriko hey um maybe you know maybe you don't want to um maybe wear those um glasses um and and by the time he finishes telling her and warning her about the glasses the glasses have already taken over her mind (laughs) It's like, dude, summarize, oh, yeah. oh. summarize.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just just walk up and say, glass is bad, and then take them off. Right. And like, <laughs> earrings where you might have to work a little bit and hurt somebody. You could just walk up, grab them, <laughs> and pull them off. No problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now I did like that they released the these prisoners. They 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 were able to escape with these prisoners, but then come to find out, oh, it was just a trick all along that the that they were still being mind controlled.
0: Uh, the prisoners with the cartoonishly huge numbered signs. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> that made me laugh. I have to confess that made me laugh it was like dr seuss levels of huge dude you know like thing one thing two you are prisoner 137
1: (laughs) yeah yeah uh you know one thing i didn't we didn't talk about in the last um episode that and he he kind of takes a back seat in this one because i don't see him as much but it's uh tobe uh, the mentor character Mm. uh he he kind of takes a back seat in this episode he doesn't really play as big of a part in this one as he did in the last one so in the last one uh that we we were talking about just earlier he went so far as to like dress up in a costume and pretend to be a scientist and everything to you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. and that, that was a funny scene of him with the fake mustache and everything <laughs>
0: and falling off. <laughs> right
1: <laughs> but uh but yeah or, was- or,
0: or uh like put it on put it on i think they're spying on us. right yeah
1: (laughs) quickly put it on before they see and they saw so they knew (laughs) but no in this in this episode we don't get very much tobe tachibana
0: no and i think it's because uh, ruriko takes a little bit more center stage from the supporting cast this time around
1: so we get another scene where takeshi gets captured uh which seems to happen a
0: lot oh my god (laughs) Uh, Takeshi needs to uh trim his nails a little more often i think so i think that was done on purpose so
1: in the in the dialogue that uh the, at least with the subtitles uh it said that they were going to that the thing they were shooting him with was to, supposed to cause paralysis and i think the point of mm-hmm. him squeezing uh his fist so hard was to keep the paralysis from from happening because then later, he's able to break free of the chains, whereas if he was still paralyzed, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be able to do that. So, I, I to me, oh, okay. in my viewing of it, that's what
0: I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was kind of questioning a little bit. Was like, really, guys? You know this is Common Rider. You know what he can do, and you're putting him in chains. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but then it's that this was all planned all along so maybe they did it on purpose i don't know right the chains were just for show
1: (laughs) and even though it was this was the b woman's plan all along she still punishes one of her subordinates by killing him
0: (laughs) and she 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 punishes she kills him for failure even though she intentionally let them escape that's how you know she's evil when she punishes somebody for for failure when she intended it when failure was part of the plan she still kills the guy right good lord
1: yeah and he didn't be like he, he wasn't yeah. like uh this was but 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 this was your plan
0: <laughs> that would have if, actually if he had said that and then she still would have killed that would have amplified amplified her evilness like i said she's in, clearly intended to be this terrifying incredibly evil character but that cost him
1: right <laughs> That costume.
0: I feel like, Let's start a new hashtag. But that costume. <laughs> hashtag, yeah, but that costume. That costume.
1: Uh, spiral bra. <laughs> from, from the book of. Uh, spiral bra from the book of Saw. That's
0: <laughs> a porn parody. <laughs>
1: So, um, also I, another point I want to bring up, um, Takeshi's just casually experimenting on puppies.
0: Yes. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, um, besides that, and we'll actually next week, we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but, <laughs> uh, you know, the part of that, that kind of got to me a little bit, uh-huh. uh, he says that uh, cause he's, experimenting with that because he's messing with uh you know he's trying to determine the the frequencies that different animals can hear Uh and he says that dogs have a higher frequency that they uh uh, for their hearing higher range i should say for their hearing than mammals but yeah and i wrote in my notes but dogs are mammals hongo yeah right iq of six hundred. The IQ, of IQ 600. Of 600.
1: Yeah, I know that's so funny. Um, what also kind of just dis- made me disturbed about the fact that he's just casually experimenting on puppies is that um, w- the last episode ended with him picking up the puppies and like you know loving on them, and-, and he just picks up these random dogs. Who do those dogs belong to? Why did he just pick up a couple of random dogs, and then in the next episode he's experimenting on them?
0: What? <laughs> I know. Or is he just? Does he just wander around looking for stray dogs? Is like, oh, here, come, uh, come here, Fido, come here. Oh, you'll g- be great for my experiment. Yeah, and we'll just- <laughs>
1: hook you up to some machines.
0: <laughs> well, yeah yeah and then you couple that with i mean then you have to couple that with the fact that he talks to himself a lot i i'm starting to wonder if some of that the shocker manipulation to his brain may have done something
1: yeah yeah i know <laughs> uh he's our hero no
0: <laughs> so uh, i a hero everyone I'm the experimenter on puppies
1: <laughs> um is there anything else you want to talk about in this one uh, before we move on to our awards this week?
0: Common uh, Writer now has a weird echo effect on his voice. I don't know why.
1: Yeah, he has the <laughs> Batman voice modulator that keeps people from recognizing his voice.
0: Apparently, you would think people like the Power Rangers would be doing this a little bit more often. I'm just saying.
1: I would love it if his instead of it just being echoey, if it was the coarse, gravelly kind of Christian Bale Batman. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm Common Writer. Where's Ruriko? Where Where's Ruriko? Where <laughs> Swear to <on> me. Grabs <laughs> B woman. Swear to me. Oh
1: wait, no, but he's but he's uh, but he's Japanese. Just like so, so something happens off screen. He's like Nani? <laughs>
0: Nani? Nani? <laughs> oh, that would be something. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking one thing that i this is a nice little again a nice theme a nice continue uh continued development of his character his goal mm-hmm. eventually is to become normal that is a very marvel-esque thing to do reminds me a lot of uh, say bruce banner as the incredible hulk particularly the 1970s tv show mm-hmm. where his goal was to Become normal again to rid himself of the Hulk and right. that's really interesting again going back to something we had talked about in the previous episode where he is a hero who didn't ask to be a hero and he doesn't want these powers he feels burdened by these powers he wants them gone and I can understand it because basically shocker is this pseudo-nazi organization basically I realized it actually with these last few episodes that we watched They're basically engaging in eugenics, which was something the Nazis were all about. Yep. Because that's what they're doing. They're capturing people. They are altering them. They are enhancing them and turning them into basically brainwashed soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. It's all wrapped up in ridiculous comic book trappings, but it comes from a very real scary place.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like that you brought up about uh, Hongo just wanting to be normal again, because then it also ties into why he keeps his identity secret. Because uh, at first, mm-hmm. when I first watched the series, I was like, well, why is he keeping his identity secret from so many people? I mean, like the villains already know who he is. Uh, you know, Tachibana knows who he is. So why keep it secret from like Ruriko? But I kind of like the explanation that he gives as like he doesn't want Ruriko to know that he's a cyborg, that he's been altered in this way. And I kind of get that. It's like, yeah, you see the monsters that you're fighting, that they're fighting the monsters that killed her father. And you don't want to go up to her and be like, Hey, I'm also one of those monsters, but don't worry. I'm not a bad guy. It's like, yeah, I can see why yeah. you might want to keep that a secret.
0: Do you think it might also stem from the fact that he's, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He's a victim. Mm-hmm. He was victimized by shock. Yeah. Do You think that that's, there's maybe there's a, uh, an element of shame. For him right now, personally, and also you know, coming from a Japanese culture where shame is a big deal mm-hmm. in Japanese culture, do you think that, that might also play into it? Yeah, it might. It might. Because it is very difficult for mm-hmm. for men in particular to talk about. Stuff like that. So I wonder if that's playing into it. Right. Yeah. It's all, probably a lot deeper than this show has any right to be, but
1: <laughs> yeah, I know that's what I was talking about. I, I was thinking about um, like, cause you know, I, I know that uh, Japan has, even though Japan has one of the best uh, life expectancies in the, in a developed world uh, they also have some of the highest suicide rates among men. And a big part of that is mm-hmm. because uh, men are, taught you know their their kind of their culture is taught not to express themselves and you know and you know and that death is better than shame you know that shame is the ultimate Mm. you know kind of the worst thing that can happen to you and so yeah I can totally see that being a motivator and as a Japanese audience maybe you know they would have picked up on that easily whereas us it kind of took a little bit for us to kind of grasp that that's something that's motivating Hongo in this series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, now to get back into the happier side of things. Um, I have, <laughs> I, I have, uh, just written in my notes, uh, writer kicked her to the curb. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good yeah, Wait, here I, I need the the appropriate <laughs> sound effect there <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> we're, 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 don't use up all of them man we got to save some of these for the titles <laughs> right i know
1: yeah yeah we got to save the puns um
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. You know,
1: (laughs) as we're going through this, I keep thinking of stuff that we didn't mention in the previous that when we were talking about the chameleon uh, man episodes, Uh, but like the fact that uh, um, Ruriko shows up on the motorcycle uh, and Takeshi's like... Go ahead. Go ahead of me and tell, you know, and, and tell Tachibana and, you know, and, and like get, tell him we have a plan. And then he takes the motorcycle she was riding on and rides off on it. Like, wait a minute. Do, <laughs> you, you just he just left Ruriko standing in the middle of this. this huh. OK. It's not really mentioned in the show, up. but. <laughs>
0: Uh, and I see also one of your other notes here is a, as a quotation <laughs> we've only just opened and we're getting great reviews. Dun, dun, dun.
1: <laughs> that is okay. I want to, talk, so I'll go ahead and talk about, it. even though that's going as uh, spoiler. That's going to be one of my awards. Um, when we get to <laughs> the awards, but this deserves to be talked about this guy who works at the eyeglass, uh, uh, the optometry place. He, he's just, it's just a casual conversation he's like oh yeah we've only just opened and we're we're getting great reviews and then all of a sudden the the camera just zooms into his eyes and he just has this look on his face and i vocally said dun 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 like what <laughs> he didn't say anything sinister
0: but he gave the most sinister look <laughs> it's just one of those things. You can if you say the most innocuous line <laughs> as creepy as possible. <laughs> yep. It can become scary.
1: Yep. Uh so any other thing you want to talk about before we get into our awards?
0: Uh, does Shocker have color ranks like in Star Trek now because some of the goons have different colors? Like most of them are black, but now we have some guys who are in red? They might. So they're like are they command? or something yeah I'm just noticing that
1: yeah they have they have the science (laughs) the science uh the science division the command division and and uh engineering Uh,
0: yeah and clearly shockers never watched the original Star Trek because they would know better than to put their goons in red shirts
1: yeah although (laughs) to be fair even the ones in red uh, in red shirts black shirts any shirts they all get kind (laughs) of they
0: all get it yeah well with that let's move into the awards (laughs) yeah this is gonna be fun. all right right, so first up we have henshin kick for the best action scene or move or whatnot in the in these two uh
1: best uh best uh piece of choreography
0: yes something like that so what did you have travis
1: uh i had the kicking her to the curb um kicking (laughs) the rider kick uh rider kick against the bee woman and then she just falls down i mean it's supposed to be a bigger like i guess it's supposed to make you think of a ravine but it was just kind of down the hill
0: there are so many quarries
1: (laughs) so many quarries japan is just nothing but quarries if if we're to believe Super (laughs) sentai
0: i once saw somebody joke that he's watched so many shows like this that now every time he drives by a quarry he keeps waiting for fights to break out and stuff to blow up
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. Just, just, just explosions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Now my nominee for the Henshin kick was the Raida chop on chameleon man, because apparently it makes him shatter like a mirror. That was kind of an yeah. odd.
1: Effect. Yeah. That was kind of cool.
0: Yes. I actually admire the show for try for experimenting with a lot of weird things like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it a lot, but I've also kind of nicknamed that a little bit because because Kr, I call him Kr now, uh, did his funny little pose, his little trademark pose, and then he did the chop, and I have hereby dubbed it. If you've been following the show on Twitter, I shared this on the Twitter. I call it the Ryder Dab because it looks like a dab. <laughs> Ryder <or> dab, <laughs> Ryder dab, and uh, I put, it, I wrote uh, the caption for the meme says uh, his clearly his most powerful attack, <laughs> Raida <or> Dab.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't we come up with that as the name for this show? Rider Dab.
0: Because no. <laughs> I, I hadn't seen enough of the show to see the Rider Dab yet. So. And everybody does
1: a dab. Every, everybody <laughs> at home, when you're listening to this episode, do a dab. Yeah. Uh, anyway,
0: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, on to and Toku. Best special effect. What do you got?
1: yeah because tokusatsu is a it basically means special effects so and this is a tokusatsu show so we gotta we gotta talk about the special effects um i we both have the same one uh which is from episode eight which is the the transformation scene where they go full animated kind of rotoscope Thing. They've done it before uh, in, a, in a previous episode, but this was different. Uh, it was a little bit different because he was falling as he was transforming mm-hmm. in this one. I mm-hmm. just And I love a good Hinchin. I love a good Hinchin. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. It looks like comic book art to boot. So And it's really nice mm-hmm. comic book art, too. And it's kind of like the – It's I think it's meant to be a little bit choppy because it just looks like maybe four or five frames as he slowly transforms as he's falling. I just think it looks mm-hmm. cool. It's very stylized, and I like it so
1: yeah yeah i love when they do that like you like you said one thing i do love about this show is them experimenting with different things like a lot of them yeah are dated by today's standards but they're doing you they're doing unique things which is which is something that you can't really say about all of the shows from this time
0: period not at all all right and then on to coming at you the best line (laughs) from the episodes so i'll let you take this one first too travis
1: Okay, so the best line for me comes from the episode with the Nazi treasure, of course, because he says, a treasure worth trillions. Shocker would surely want to use it for evil. And it was that pause. (laughs) It was the pause. Shocker would surely want to use it for evil.
0: (laughs) Who said this line again? Remind me.
1: (laughs) Uh, that, That was Takeshi.
0: Oh I was the the is that it? yeah
1: uh, and it's like it sounds so profound because it's like oh it's like a realization <laughs> they're going to use it for evil it's like well, the well evil yeah is
0: going to use the money for evil of course right <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and and uh and not to spoil anything but uh next week's episode uh my award the same award also goes to a very ob- obvious line like that too so i don't know what yeah. it is about that kind of line that i just think i find really funny
0: <laughs> well my line for well my nominee for this award is along similar lines it's from common writer kr and just to let people know when i am looking for nominees for this, I am typically looking for lines that are funny, profound, or ba. Just so you know, <laughs> that's my criteria. So mine is: "It was a tainted treasure generated by the evils of the human heart," which is yeah. comes from the end of that episode where Common <laughs> Writer is telling the villains off and saying, right. "Yeah, he did with the treasure," which we'll talk about a little bit more in the next award. <laughs> Right, yeah, because
1: he, because uh, we don't get to see the treasure. All this talk about the the Nazi treasure, and we never actually it,
0: get to see it. It's truly a MacGuffin in every sense of the of what Hitchcock meant. It is a MacGuffin. It's the thing everybody wants, but what it is isn't important. <laughs> right, exactly. So to uh, so now, to my favorite award, What the Henshin? WTH! Let
1: me get mine out of the way because I feel like we're going to talk about yours longer, so let me get yes. mine out of the way. Real quick, I already mentioned it. It's the dun-dun-dun moment uh, in the optometry uh, store because that was just silly and funny and what? Why? Uh, now, Nathan, let's talk about yours because I also want to talk about yours. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. I did not see this coming. First, I have to set this up. I have to set this up. Yes. So Common Rider transforms, fights all the shocker goons and chameleon man at uh, at Expo 70. They think they have defeated him, that he is dead. So it's like, ha-ha, we win. We got the box. We know where the treasure is. And then they go off to someplace that I mentioned before, the Nazi treasure worth trillions of, is apparently in a grave marked with a white cross. Again, I love the irony of it. They start digging it up, and they only have to dig, I think, maybe six inches instead of six feet. Right. <laughs> it's not very deep. And they find a casket that actually <laughs> didn't it have a Nazi logo on it to boot. So uh-huh. It's like they're branding everything. Yep. And then they and they're like aha and I'm like okay, what's gonna happen I'm expecting common writer to just show up and be like hi, I'm not dead and but uh that's not quite what happened. They open up the casket and out pops common writer I'm like, how in the heck? did you do that? We saw you fall you were supposed to be dead. How in the heck did you manage to get over here in the interim and bury yourself? In a perfectly made grave that did not look like it had been recently disturbed i just what it was the most (laughs) scooby-doo
1: style logic leap i loved it so much
0: Uh, that if if i was to give an award like a w2h award for all the episodes that i've watched so far this one wins yeah out of all the we've seen so far this one wins because i don't know how this works yeah yeah
1: how how did he bury himself how did he get there how did he beat them there when he was thrown off the building
0: yeah i mean it's it's too early for a second writer so we can't just do that so i just yeah and why It it was done in the scripting process just so they could have a ridiculous plot twist finale. Yep. <laughs> so they're like, oh wait, he got beat up and they think he's dead. Eh, just have him pop out of the grave anyway.
1: Yeah. So uh what? so my note, my note for this scene was um so uh we're just gonna accept that common rider was in the grave? Um sure, why not? <laughs> like yeah, like at this point, sure, why not?
0: <laughs> what are you gonna do?
1: what are you gonna do it it just it was so great though it was like i said the most scooby-doo logic thing that that we've seen so far and i loved it i just loved it he just they open it and and it just like the shock of seeing common rider just laying in the (laughs) casket and then just leaps out just add the
0: just uh, just add the caption surprise mother trucker
1: (laughs) <laughs> yep,
0: exactly. Cuz that's very appropriate at that point. Or hey, well, we'll do the the funny censored version I've seen at that line in meme, you know. Surprise motor scooter. <laughs> makes sense. Like, I ride a motorcycle. You have a scooter. <laughs> Surprise motor scooter. <laughs>
1: oh man. So, yeah, that was great.
0: Uh, all right, Travis. Now it's time for minute to henshin it. <laughs> I'll let you go first, Travis. Are you ready? Yes, I am ready. All right. On your mark? Get set. Go. Hinshin. Okay.
1: Uh, as you know, as this show progresses, uh, yes, it becomes more formulaic, uh, as a lot of kids shows and especially shows from that time period do. Uh, but I do like seeing Takeshi using different means to escape from traps that he gets stuck in each week. You know, he does use his brains more than his bronze. He's using logic, and and yeah, they are trying and experimenting with new kind of filming techniques and different things that makes it very interesting uh i like that he doesn't always rely on his common writer powers and you can really see the gold that's underneath the low budget costumes and sets in this series there's real gold and there's real love put into this show
0: oh you got 15 seconds left you want to bank it uh
1: no uh okay (laughs) every time i do that i do like the i do the iron chef you know uh (laughs) quizzing
0: (laughs) yeah yeah all right no it's uh it's my turn go all right so as the noob on this podcast to this show i continue to be amazed at how the show was progressing when it started i was not put off so much as a little bit surprised at how low budget it seemed and especially when you're used to watching newer tokusatsu shows or even something like Ultraman, which was comparatively had better production values compared to Kamen Rider at this time. But as time was gone on, much like what you said, Travis, I've gotten used to it. I've learned to appreciate it. And I'm really starting to see the gold that hopefully does not belong to Nazis <laughs> uh, underneath all of this and seeing the love and the care that they're that is being put into the show despite its shoestring budget and you know surprise motor scooter <laughs> <laughs> all right all right but before we close up shop with this episode we have our first iTunes review to share with everyone, Travis.
1: Yes, we have one that's called Ramen. Uh, no, ramen. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be doing that a lot, especially since I keep. <laughs> uh, so, common uh,
0: ramen rider, ramen rider. It's
1: ramen kiter, <laughs> ramen kiter. Uh, no, common ride or die. Uh, and it was written by Hamilton underscore fifty four. Um, first off, before we before I read it, uh, Common "ride or die." That's another podcast. Maybe he meant to review this song, re- meant this for a different podcast. Hmm, let's see. Possible. Hmm. uh so yeah he's uh he said uh, i've been looking forward to re- the release of this podcast since hearing about it on the kaiju weekly podcast travis and nathan do a fantastic job at breaking down all the henshin goodness contained in a lot of these series it's no surprise they started with common rider and i'm totally here for it so far the first couple of episodes have been a lot of fun and very interesting to listen to i'm looking forward to hearing more high kicking adventures from the henshin
0: men thank you very much mr hamilton fifty four
1: yes thank you very much uh a person that we do not know him in, in real life um uh and doesn't happen to be the co-host of one of our
0: podcasts <laughs> <laughs> and a frequent guest on the other Shh. no not at all yeah uh, uh- <laughs> but in all seriousness people i do want to let you know it we would really appreciate it if you would leave reviews for the show whether they be on itunes or hopefully we'll be on pod i keep checking pod chaser we're not there yet but maybe we need more episodes but feedback like this is the lifeblood of podcasters as It really helps us it really helps keep us going and it also makes it easier for more tokusatsu superhero loving fans like yourself to find the show yeah thank you very much
1: and also we don't mention it uh when we're closing out the episodes but uh if you want to email us and let us know what you thought of the show or to give us suggestions on what you would like to see us cover in future episodes of the henshin men uh you can do that henshin men that's h-e-n S H I N men at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, so we want to say thank you for listening to the Henshin Men, a Tokusatsu Appreciation Podcast. You can find links to all of our social media in the description of this episode. You can listen to more of me on the Kaiju Weekly Podcast and listen to more of Nathan on the Monster Island Film Vault. If you found some enjoyment from this podcast, like we said, consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. And until next time, what are we going to say, Nathan?
0: It's time for us to vanish into Henshin air.